0: I did drink whiskey in between two of the tectonic plates of the world.
1: What do you mean in between?
0: In between the two? Like you sat
1: between them? Mm. How did you do that?
0: In Iceland, there's like a gap in between the two of them. You can go in the gap. Sounds very dangerous. It's like a huge, big, (laughs) like, field. It's massive. Oh, people live in the gap? Mm, I don't know if they live in the gap.
1: Welcome to Drinks at Work from Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That is me. And welcome to the first podcast of 2024. We're starting the year strong with Mr. Ross Blaney. He's the brand ambassador and creative collaborations lead for Glenfiddich and the Balvenie in Australia, and he's a good friend not just of mine, but of the show as well. Uh, Because I've talked to Ross before on the show, we talked about his career all the way back in episode four of the show, and we touch a little bit on that here. But most of what we talk about is about the power of collaboration when it comes to creativity. Ross has created some very special collaborations between his brands and some rather creative people. Chefs like Fyodor's Lennox Hasty. You've got custom sneaker maker, Chase Shield, and artists like fashion designers, Jordan Gogos and Akira Isagawa. If you're of a creative vent, and if you're interested in how ideas come about, this one is a good one for you. But as we're kicking off a brand new year, I also want to stretch the format of this show a little bit and lean on our guests a bit more and talk about what's going on in the world of drinks and bars right now. So I also talked to Ross about some of the great new bars that opened at the end of 2023 and about what we can expect from the year ahead. So I hope you like it, let's get into it now. Here's my chat with Ross Blaney. Ross Blaney, thanks for joining me on Dricks at Work from Ruthie. Thanks very much for having me. It's nice to be here. It's nice to be here at Double Deuce Lounge. Uh, I love a little place. one-on-one, first first chat for the year, first podcast for the year, so.
0: as is, first be back at work, straight in there.
1: Yeah. Straight in the podcast. So what's, uh, what's your title, what's your job title? Uh, it's like the guy who does some interesting things with
0: whiskey. Does things. Yeah. For Glymphidic and Balvenie. and, <laughs> and Balvenie. So yeah, Brandon Bass for Glymphidic and Balvenie. We're recording and now. Balveni. Yeah. I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I just started. We're actually, we're actually doing it now. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, doing okay, it. I thing. thought we were just still chatting. Nah. Okay, but we All should right. keep chatting.
1: I, that's the idea with that's the podcast. The point yeah. okay, I'm just I mean, still, we can try, get, to, try to hold a pause. Still getting back
0: into the swing of it. What do these podcast <laughs> things do again? Um, yeah, so I have Brandon Bass for Glymphidic and Balvenie. Wonderful. And look after a lot of our collaborative stuff, creative collaborations, things like that.
1: You've had a you've had the well, most notable one recently was I think in December or late November with uh, mm. Lennox Hasty yeah. from Firedor the, yeah. the chef that everyone's talking about yeah um, you did some cool stuff with that I saw you were in Scotland yeah. with him
0: yeah I took him over to Scotland at the end of October yeah um really to get some inspiration for the menu for the event that we're doing in Firedor so at the start of December yeah so I mean absolutely incredible it's amazing working with him yeah the Firedor team are obviously incredible yeah. Um, They were number one restaurant in Australia, Three Hat Restaurant, and the way Leonard. Impossible to get a reservation there. It's quite (laughs) difficult. Yeah. They release their tables every three months. If you get in quick, you get in there, but the experience is something else. Like Mm. the the effort him and the whole team put into their the attention to detail. uh, it's just it's phenomenal. It's something else. Awesome.
1: Well, we'll talk about a bit about your approach to collaborations because I find Mm. it really interesting how you're sort of doing the whiskey thing, but uh, opening it up to different fields, like, you know, yes, restaurants, but also, you know, with artists, uh, you had a big thing on during um, uh, Fashion Week. Fashion City Week, Sydney, yep. Sydney yep. Fashion Week?
0: Australian Fashion Week. Australian Fashion yeah. Week. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I should point out to people that we're quite good friends as well, so this could go off on a couple of tangents. That's but what we're hoping for. <laughs> but we're also <laughs> going to talk about a little, like, look forward as well. So what's yeah. going to happen 2024? Uh, maybe a little recap of the bars that opened last year, last year what's yeah. happening this year, and, and what you're excited about, what you think is going to be interesting to uh, keep an eye on
0: yeah. in 2024, because this is the first episode Great. for the year. Yeah, no, uh, I like it. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, we're going to film it, put it up on the on the webs. and the,
0: Yeah, and, the, and there will be some tangents. And yeah. like I said before, I mean, well, I, I like the tangents, but... You're the one that has to edit it. I so. have to edit it. Yeah.
1: So we're going to keep it as tight as we can. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into it, sort of setting the table, you've been a brand ambassador for a while now, an award winning brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. You got the brand ambassador of the year a few years back did, yeah, at
0: yeah, the Bar Awards.
1: Um, mm-hmm. How'd you get into the role in the first place? I, I kind of. Kinda of just fell into, it, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Because um, you've, you've
1: worked, you're not so much a bartender. You have worked in pubs. Yeah. It was I was
0: I was kind of bartender when I moved over to Australia. My yeah. first job in Australia was uh, icebergs. Um, and that was. I didn't when, know that really. You didn't know that. Yeah, no. that was my first job. Really. Yeah. Back in 2010. Oh. Yeah, I think about August 2010. I came over here. I was at uni, so I was working in hotels back in Scotland. Yeah. And I just I loved hospitality. Hotels was what I wanted to do came over here, ended up working in Icebergs. And that was when I was like, that was, I was really into the bartending side of things then. Yeah. But I kind of just took a a bit of a sidestep to work for a distribution company. From there, I ended up working for a wine company for a little while on Mm. the commercial side and the sales. Yeah. And it was actually, it was through a mutual friend of ours, James Bunton. He was working for William Grant's at the time in the UK. Yeah. And when this role came up, I'd been doing whiskey events with him and with other people for a couple of years. And James said to me, he was like, we need to go and talk to these guys, um, and that was basically it. Yeah, started in the job and really just worked it out from there. Yeah. Um, what was the biggest thing you had to get to grips
1: with stepping into this ambassador side of the of the business? W-
0: weirdly, probably the biggest thing was um, public speaking. I'd never done public speaking before I took this job. Yeah. And now, I think I'm quite good at it now. I enjoy doing it now. Catch what you want Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the events <laughs> exactly. go on forever. I'm kidding. No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that was, I, I think I'd done public speaking once before that. Yeah. I was so nervous, like heart racing, like far too nervous, like crazy amount of nerves. Yeah. And when I took the job, I just realized, well, I have to get over that now. Yeah, just, what,
1: what helped you to get over it? Because this is the thing, like, you know, if bartenders are... Doing cocktail comps, you got to get up there and talk in front of a whole bunch mm. of people. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to do if that's not your jam.
0: Yeah, I think when I started talking about whiskey, it made it a lot easier because I knew what I was talking about and I enjoyed talking about it. Is that just because you're Scottish? Is that just that
1: you put any Scottish person into an ambassador role? <laughs> yeah, and as long as it's whiskey, it. they'll work yeah. it out?
0: Yeah, just make it up and it sounds like you're telling the truth because of the accent. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'd worked in whiskey and around whiskey yeah. for years and years by that point. I enjoyed talking about it. I think there was also maybe an element of there's a bit of pride, like your, your culture, and you get to tell people about Scottish culture with the whiskey. Yeah. So, for some reason, I was still very nervous. I still get nervous before doing public speaking. Yeah. But that made it a lot easier because I knew what I was talking about. I think that was what made it more fun. Yeah,
1: well, you know, it's always better to listen to someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> or at least sounds
0: like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the accent, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm just making it up. I'm still making it up.
1: <laughs> and now, when it comes to your role today, because I imagine it's evolved a bit over the years, you started on Balvenie, right? And now you've got uh, responsibilities for mm. Balvenie and and Fiddick as well. Yeah. What, how, how do you see your role today? What would you describe it to, you know, to a, a layperson as?
0: I think... I think a brand ambassador Actually, how would you in, tell it to a grandmother? Yeah, okay. I think the biggest part of my job, so one is, is communication. It's communicating what our brands do, what whiskey is, helping people understand it. So you yeah. can have all the knowledge and whiskey or whatever your subject is. But if you can't communicate it to people, then it's not really worth much. Like if you know it, you can't tell anyone else. Sure. So communication is the first thing you're able to tell people. I think the other part is like finding cool shit to do that's kind of what I see it as a lot of the time. Yeah. We have to keep our brands culturally, culturally relevant, and it's finding parts around what's going on in the world right now that we can, that fits our values, that we can tell our story around. So bars yeah. is a huge part of culture, so it's a big part of what we do. Yeah, And then that's where I see like the, the fashion and arts and music thing. I think brand ambassadors can get places that brands can't necessarily get, like okay. there's real, people with the personality and go and meet people yeah so brand ambassadors can get into positions that the brand can't necessarily get to and make it into a partnership or whatever it is and bring it back what is brand. it about the
1: brand ambassador that makes that happen
0: I, I think it's it comes down to the personality and taking it's it's a person like it's not just a brand can be hard to relate to a person is easy to relate to yeah so if you can if you've got a great brand ambassador and you send them in to talk to someone, if they get on straight away, then you're off to a good start. You can work out what your partnership's going to be. Mm. Um, same with going into bars and chatting to bartenders. If you get on with the brand ambassador that's coming in, you're a lot more likely to be wanting to work with them. Yeah. And That's a really big part of it.
1: Yeah, no one wants to work with a knob. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah,
0: don't be a dick. Don't be a dick.
1: <laughs> the uh, rambling Rascal model. Um, mm. In terms of the yeah, collaborations, when you're going about sort of picking an area to go down, Say, let's start with the Lennox Hasty one and mm-hmm. then maybe we'll look at the one with Jordan in the fashion realm. Yeah. But the Lennox Hasty one, how did you conceive that? Where did that come from in your, in your mind? How did oh, that yeah. get started?
0: That, so I'm kind of always looking out for people, places, brands that are going to fit with what we do. Yeah. It's about shared values initially. Like it's I know what our brands are and what they believe in and what their personality is. So I'm looking out for things or people that have similar traits to that. And I watched Lennox's uh, Chef's Table episode. Mm. And when I watched that, there's one part where he has like, the caviar, which he does on the barbecue and it smoked a little bit. Yeah. And there was a bit of a fuss around that, saying, oh, you can't do that with caviar. And he was basically going against the grain with that. Right. But he was, he was really, like, the attention to detail and everything he was doing, I could just see a relation. Originally, I thought it was going to be maybe a Glenfiddich thing. Yeah. And I just reached out to him and I said, I love what you do. Um, here's who I work for, can I come down for a chat and have a whisky with you? Yeah. Luckily Lennox likes a whisky and <laughs> usually people say yes to that when you offer it to them. So I went down and uh, met with Lennox and- Does he
1: have Scottish heritage? heritage? Yeah, he does. Lennox yeah. is quite a Scottish name,
0: right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So his uh, his mother's Scottish and right. that side of his family is Scottish. And um, his father's Australian as well. Yeah. Um, so he had a lot of heritage in Scotland. And when I went down and caught up with him for a whisky, I realized after talking to him that it was such a perfect fit for Balvenie because Balvenie's so much about like craftsmanship and pursuit of perfection. So willing to look at the tiniest details to make the best that you can. And it's you wanna make your thing the best that can possibly be. It's not necessarily about everyone else, but it's yeah. your art form. Like you wanna make it better because you feel you can do it better and you wanna keep growing and bettering that all the time. Yeah. And it's like a handmade
1: kind of crafty kind of aspect to it. And kind just, of, I mean, like you can talk about like sort of the hermits who just want to go. No, you know what? I want to make the the best pair of shoes I can, and I'm doing it in these kind of yeah. hard, difficult ways to do it.
0: I think yeah, it might be a difficult way of doing it, but if they believe it's the best way of doing it, they're right. still going to do it. They're not cutting corners. Yeah. It's about, some of it may be traditional, some of it might not be. But it's about what do you think is the best way of making your product, whatever it is you do, the best that it can be. And the more I heard him talking about how he does that, I realized that's exactly the same as Balvenie. Yeah. And then when I mentioned to him, he was like, oh, well, Balvenie's one of my favorite whiskies," So <laughs> it worked out pretty nicely.
1: And that's it? The deal's done?
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Well, I think it,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, we've been working what, What's the next step you take then? Like when you're we, we, well, that, this hard. is
0: That was the second year of our partnership um, when we did our event in December. Right. So the first time, we basically set up a, a, a dinner in Firedoor created a menu inspired by the whiskeys. Mm. And it's, um, this is the part that I love probably the most about my job is getting to sit down with people who are so good at what they do and be involved in that process. Yeah. So it's really the collaboration part. I mean, obviously Lennox is an incredible chef. I'm not gonna go in there and say, oh, well, how do we do this with the food? Like, I, I don't know. Chef,
1: I've got some <laughs> ideas. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I can go in with the whiskey and like help inspire and I like to watch for little things that pop up and see if they fit in with a story. Right. Um, So we can just like talk through the brand and the flavors and pairings that I've maybe had in the past that work to help inspire him. Mm. So I know he's gonna come up with it, but I suppose my job is finding the right inspiration for him or whoever we're working with to do something that they might not have thought of before. That's where the collaborative part is. You're making something that neither side could have done on their own. Yeah. That's really where the magic is in the Well there's an of it. actual
1: exchange of ideas going yeah, on there yeah. and then you get something new.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's no point in doing a collaboration if it's you make this thing and we just put our brand logo on it. Like yeah. that's, that sometimes works. Well, that's how so really a lot of things get
1: done though, right?
0: Probably. Yeah. yeah. It's the easiest way of doing it. But if you're doing like a, a true collaboration, you're making something that neither would have done on their own. It takes more time to do that. I, I think it just takes time and listening and spending that time together to really just chat it through
1: well you have to give a shit though right
0: yeah, you have to yeah. want to
1: make something really good yeah and really exactly. great yeah.
0: yeah you have to care about it and i think that's the part where some of it does just take time like you <laughs> you sit and you, maybe you're having a whiskey and you're chatting it through yeah and an idea comes out after a while that wouldn't have come up if you'd just been setting a plan in motion like yeah. there's things that pop up along the way that they just take time Like you can't have all the ideas at the beginning you have to wait on some of them coming mm-hmm. out so yeah, it's just, it's an amazing process to how, go through.
1: How does that sort of process then sit within like a, you know, a company kind of structure where you've got, you know, marketing departments, you know, production, all this kind of stuff. Mm. How do you put that sort of, cause you know, some of these things do take time You're maybe not going to come up with the, the best idea straight away. You might need to sort of zig and zag a bit. How, yeah. how do you navigate that part? Cause it sounds like you get to be like the creative, let's do amazing cool stuff guy, but then you've got to make it work commercially as well, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I think that's it's a really important part that the company's spending a lot of money on these things, so it has to yeah. have some kind of reward. Like, it can't yeah, just be fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we want to do cool stuff. We want to make yeah. cool shit. Like, that's what we want to do. Mm. But there is, uh, for both brands, like whether the artist, designer, or whatever it is, like their brand yeah. and our brand, they... A lot of it's reaching a new audience. You might be reaching someone that might not have gotcha. thought about drinking Balvanic Glomphitic before. Yeah. So it might just be a, a new audience that um, you can tell your story to in a different way. But also for existing audiences, it's, telling, it's sharing the values of the brand in a different voice. Like it's given it in a, a, a new, unique way. I mean, there's a, a million whiskies coming out all the time. So it can be easy for people to not bother listening yeah you have to find something that's unique just to get people there's a lot of noise noise. you have to be able to cut through that and tell your story in a unique way i mean it's really just like the i suppose it's the basics of marketing really it's like telling people the story in a way that they're going to care about
1: well because i mean that sort of happens a bit right you'll find let's say with like the hendrix and the and the cucumber garnish back in well when mm. that when that launched around the 2010s yeah. or whatever, yeah. that became a thing that and every gin guy wanted to replicate. Yeah. so you'd have you know signature serves with this you know with a lily pilly or a or a dandelion or unicorn tears or whatever.
0: Yeah, really and then that, that became
1: a thing. But then after a while, that becomes meaningless, because like, everyone's doing it. It's like okay,
0: yeah, and how, then how do you stand out again? Then? Yeah, then it's like yeah, standing out and yeah. yeah, when there's that many things around, yeah, you have to find something new. That's where I think like creativity is so important in everything, really, but you need to think outside the box. I think like, creativity is, a lot of it's like making a decision that's going against the grain. It's going the opposite way from what people think you're going to do. Yeah. And that's a really good way of standing out, not always for a good reason. Like Some people look at it and be like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so why would you do that? Yeah. But a lot of people think, oh, that's great. Or maybe they think it's ridiculous and great. Yeah. But the crave decisions is, I think, where you do something a little bit different that people might not think is the usual thing or it's a bit of a step out of the, the norm. Yeah. It gets it gets attention.
1: We'll talk about a step out of the norm, let's talk about footwear
0: and mm. sneakers. Because you <laughs> Did
1: you like that <laughs> oh God, yeah, brilliant. Oh, I was like, segway. step out of the norm. I'm going to jump <laughs> on it now. Um, tell us about the sort of the activity, the collaborations you've done there with Glenfiddich, there's some very mm. pricey, uh, exclusive, beautiful um, Nikes that have yeah. come together.
0: Yeah, so they were a collaboration, they were custom sneakers maybe Chase Shield, so not a direct collaboration with, with Nike, with Nike yeah. but with them. Um, That's gotta be an important disclaimer to make, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think okay. so, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Don't cut that out. <laughs> oh, I said it, I can say what I want. We're <laughs> yeah. working with Chase, who's an incredible custom sneaker designer based at Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it kinda it probably came together it was a few years ago now we did the first one. We've done really three collaborations with Chase now. Yeah. The first part of it was that I love sneakers. Like that was that there's a personal aspect to it because yeah. I think when you're doing these things, if you like it, then other people are gonna like it. And mm. I think that's what I look out for things that i like and then i think will will other people like it? i'm not just doing it for me yeah i think but if i like it other people are probably gonna like it too yeah and then chase popped up on my instagram somewhere and as soon as i saw it uh i basically sent my message and said can i give you a call and i remember where i was in rambling rascals yeah and we were packing up some t-shirts this was just like the start of lockdown or somewhere in there yeah and i remember calling chase from rascals and talking to me was like uh what, who who's this what sorry <laughs> and i told him he's like, yeah absolutely let's let's make some sneakers yeah but then from there it kind of grew because i remember i sat down with um, let, let,
1: let's tell people what what, what oh, the yeah, sneaker sure. was
0: first like so, what
1: what what it look like and
0: the the original ones sell for too yeah the original <laughs> ones were two and a half grand a pair yeah they were around the launch of the glymph Twenty Three grand crew yeah and this was all around celebrating the occasion and it was the first release um, from the Grand Series, beautiful black and gold bottle, a beautiful box. And that was kind of the brief with Chase as well, let's make something that's about celebration. It's, it's some really special sneakers, but using that, those design cues. Yeah. So that, and black and gold just looks amazing. Anyway. The design
1: cues from the Grand crew. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So we made these um, custom Air Jordan 1s and we made 23 pairs of them. Yeah. Uh, beautiful black and gold. 23 was
1: a number for a reason.
0: The well, the whiskey was aged for 23 years so okay. it was oh not one. jordan's number
1: right <laughs> also happens to be jordan's number
0: uh, 20 man. Come I on. know. Yeah, yeah just fit together so we made 23 pairs we made this beautiful giant um shoe box at the community. We got a bottle some mm. nice glasses and the shoes and we did a ballot for these 23 pairs and they sold out um in well, like two two three minutes they were sold out so two and a half grand a pair Jeez. so it was it was amazing who are the kind of people buying to, these things
1: like stinker heads I guess you have to be a sneakerhead. Yeah,
0: I think so. Well, this was where we started to realise like even more of a synergy. Whiskey collectors and sneaker collectors. Both of them are crazy in their own way. They're obsessive. Yeah, obsessive yeah. about it. You want all the whiskeys, you want all the sneakers, you'll like <laughs> research everything into it. But there's a crossover of people that do both. Wow. And, n- nuts. Like crazy people. And that. some of those people call me up and they're like, I'll I'll buy ten pairs of them. Like I can't, I can't do that. Like we're doing it through a ballot, so I can't just give you all of them. And they're like, literally, I'll buy as many as you'll give me. Yeah. Um, but also realize, like, so when you buy a bottle of whiskey, if it's a collectible bottle of whiskey, you have a connection with that bottle of whiskey from the beginning because you have to make a decision at the beginning: Are you going to keep this whiskey like a piece of artwork and put it on your shelf? Yeah. Maybe it'll be worth more money someday. Do you make a decision to keep it, or do you make a decision to open it? And use it for what it was made for. Yeah. But it's gonna lose its value. I mean, it's gonna be gone. But you drink it and use it for what it was made for. Yeah. Same with sneakers. It's, you can it's, put it's them wonder in your stock, shelf.
1: wonder rock, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, the same thing. But yeah. if you get one of them, and for the sneakers, you put it on yourself, <laughs> or you put them on your feet. And if you put them on your feet, they're not gonna be worth anything anymore. Yeah. But you're using them for what they were made for. Yeah. So there's that like connection straight away from that collectible thing um, that you have to you become connected to the thing you've bought. Yeah. Plus they're very expensive. Yeah. So yeah, that synergy was an interesting one. So we thought, well, why don't we just keep making some more cool sneakers?
1: Yeah. Tell us about the collaboration with Jordan and Australian Fashion Week. Because I was walking down George Street here in Sydney one day mm. and I saw a tram go past and it's fully wrapped with uh, Glenfiddich, but also uh, yeah. photos of Jordan and uh, Akira.
0: Yeah, Akira Isagawa. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Famous Australian fashion yeah. designer. Yeah. Uh, influential guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, how, the, how did that come about? Um, well, Jordan, and and why, why was that important to do? So, well, we started working with Jordan Gogos uh, four, three, four years ago now. Fashion is one of the passion points of Glenfiddich. And that, that really comes back to the creativity thing. Like Glenfiddich's always been about creativity within the brand. Yeah. From the beginning when it was set up, also the creation of single malt category, um, having a visitor center at the distilleries, but all these points throughout Glenfiddich's history, it's always been about unusual creative decisions and pushing boundaries. So, when we want to work with people, we want to look for people that are pushing boundaries. And Jordan's been doing that since the beginning. He started out doing set design, and well, he's a multidisciplinary artist. And it was um, with Christy and so our that marketing a team, of machines, yeah. multi multidisciplinary <laughs> artist. Um, and yeah, Christy is my boss. Um, she'd spotted Jordan. And and basically that's we'd go and have a chat with him. Mm. Um and we just hit it off. Uh, you know, he liked working with us, we liked working with him. Yeah. And what he was doing in fashion was completely different and unexpected. Um his logo being like a Trojan horse is kind of like how he almost like snuck into the fashion world in a way yeah. that he ended up in there and no one really realized and then all of a sudden <laughs> it just blew up and he was like a, a really big deal in fashion and everyone's like, Well where' Where'd this where'd guy come yeah, from? Yeah, where'd that come from? And that's like, that's the kind of thing that we just love, that creativity. Yeah. And then it just ended up, it grew from there because we ended up with this a relationship there that we like working with him. He likes working with us. Yeah. And it comes down to the collaborative part. He doesn't just want us to pay for stuff. He enjoys working with us. And I'll, I'll spend hours at a time with him in the studio trying to work out what the next collaboration is. What's the thing we're going to make? Because he wants it to be a, a two-way thing. Yeah. So it kind of it just it grew over the years and we just kept, I think we we both enjoy working together because we'll kind of push each other that little bit more and yeah. come up with something crazy and say, the idea that you think is just ridiculous, You're like, oh, how about we do this? And then the other one will just laugh and be like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, maybe <laughs> we should do that. So it's finding the ridiculous idea and we kind of push each other and then yeah. find the happy medium where it's going to work. Yep. So it's genuinely pushing boundaries, like it's actually living the values of the brand, which I think is important for all brands. Like if you say you mm. believe in this thing, you, you better do that thing. Like if you want people to be part of your brand and part of your community, yeah. then you need to do the things you say you believe in as well.
1: Do all brands need to have values, just as a side note? Yeah, I,
0: yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think the more people connect with like, brands. Let's say, let's
1: say if you're a small like little distillery or something, do you need yeah. to have values? Kind of thing in your head or yeah i,
0: I think so because yeah. i think people more and more connect with brands through shared values yeah. so if you look at i mean like the luxury side of things in sure. general that used to be about it's expensive and it's made well so yeah a heritage aspect yeah but more and more nowadays people need to connect with that brand and see things that they agree with or believe in which is why like the influencer side of things are like yeah. you know lebron james doing louis vuitton in the last week oh. People look at that and you're like, I love LeBron James. Yeah, gotcha. He's doing Louis Vuitton. That's changed it for a different group of people. It's like, like oh, yeah, Gucci right.
1: doing you know sneakers and that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, like one of my favorite ones is Gucci with uh, Palace, which is a skateboard brand in London. an like amazing brand! Yeah, and that's like two things. You're like, well, oh, I didn't expect that to go together. Both of them get a new audience. Both of them get to do something interesting and exciting. Yeah, but it shows. Like, it creates a connection with that brand based on someone doing it that you like, or just you have, you know, it's some It's enriching a kind of, new,
1: new audience, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that's it. So I think if you, you need to have values as a brand, because people, I mean, the first thing is the liquid, like you've got to have a good product. Yeah. But after that, to get people interested- There's a lot of good it, liquid
1: out there. Yeah, right? yeah
0: exactly, yeah. yeah. And to, but to get people to drink it, you know, you want to have them, like having a, a shared, love or something that they feel that they're connected to it in a little way Mm. and I think people
1: if I'm going to go buy a bottle of whiskey that's my bottle of
0: whiskey yeah there's a reason that you connect with it probably more than just the taste the taste is the first thing yeah you know if it tastes shit then it's not going to work if it tastes great and there's something else that people like as well. But yours, you have like
1: I mean a connection. I'm going to hold you up there. There's plenty of shit tasting <laughs> drinks at work, <laughs> brand wise. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, probably <laughs> we won't get into
0: that. <laughs> yeah, the thing just having more of a connection with something, whether it's a drink, whether yeah. it's a bag you get, or whatever else. It's yeah you you want to feel that like you're connected to it, and more than just having a good product. Yeah, yeah, it's quite an interesting space.
1: Okay, and so can you tell us just how did Akira Isagawa get involved in the latest? campaign Mm. as well.
0: That was really through through Jordan. What did you
1: guys do for that particular campaign briefly? And then we'll get on to some predictions.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, that came through Jordan. Really, Jordan is an incredibly collaborative person. He's always working with different people. And he was looking at working with Akira for his collection for Fashion Week. Yeah. Um, Akira loves whiskey as well. He likes Glenfiddick. Yeah. And that was really how it started coming together. Um, We met Akira through Jordan. And just to say, well, why would this not all fit together? Like, why not make it a little bit different and do yeah. something bigger than what we were planning? Yeah. So we kind of we started up by putting together a type of a style of fabric, and this was our, this was such an enjoyable thing for me to be part of, sitting down with Jordan in his studio, with no idea what we were going to do. We didn't did not know. We knew we were going to do something for his runway.
1: Yeah.
0: and um, Actually, not at that point, we weren't going to do anything for his runway. Right. But we were still looking at ideas because we we're just having a bit of fun. Yeah. And we sat and we had the, the bottle of Glymphetic 12 sitting there, and we were looking at that and just the colors of it like the green, gold, and white. Yeah. And we started grabbing some fabrics from around his studio and placing them together and then cutting them up and stitching them together. And they ended up just making like a really nice fabric that was related to the colors of Glymphetic 12. Yeah. And after we put it together, we thought, well, that looks. That looks really cool. I Maybe mean, we should do something with that fabric. And at first it was just going to make a big piece of fabric to do a bit of set design right. and put it over something and then take photos of the bottle and Jordan. Right. And then the more we made that fabric, we thought, why don't we actually make some clothes out of this too? And then eventually bringing Akira into that, Akira put his own spin on it and yeah. um, made this incredible, like very royal looking cloak type thing and it's huge. And this, the starting piece of fabric was about six times the length, but it was folded up and folded and folded and pinched in parts, so it was really heavy. Yeah. So it ended up, it just kind of kept growing and growing. And that's where I think well, there's a lot of the collaborative and creative stuff that you kind of just need to let it go a little bit, like see where it goes. Yeah. You need to stop it eventually at some point. That's probably the bit that is the hardest how thing. Do
1: you do, well, how do you know when, when it's good and when to stop? And um, you when just to say, like hey, we're done
0: honestly there's probably a deadline where by that point like okay we can't do anymore because literally we can't yeah
1: well it's, it's <laughs> or, like saturday night live they used to say uh used to say you know the the, the skit or the sketch is finished when it's half an hour till the show starts and you have to go on that's when it's finished
0: yeah that's, there's, there's yeah. no other option yeah. you can't do it anymore <laughs> it's 11 yeah. 30 at night you have to you, go you now. gotta stop yeah <laughs> yeah so that, that's pretty much what it is it stops when we yeah. when we need to stop. I yeah. think we would probably just keep going and making it bigger and bigger. Well, the budget's <laughs> another one that probably pulls it back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping you your keep job, going. that's important that's, too. That's yeah. Usually <laughs> someone tells me when I should stop, so that's that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: well, let's have a look ahead now for the rest of the year. It's something I don't often do on the podcast, but I think, you know, it's 2024, mm-hmm. I like to try and do different and unique things as well every oh, now and then. Yeah, there. great. It's, let's do you it. Know, the idea of a look-ahead podcast isn't unique, but it's, <laughs> it is for drinks at work. Uh, <laughs> not reinventing any wheels here.
0: No, let's um, make some predictions. Yeah. <laughs> Get a crystal ball out.
1: Yeah, sure. Out of whiskey, that's fine. Um, but before we look ahead, let's have a look at back. I feel like we just came out of a really busy November, December, maybe October, November, December period, mm-hmm. where there's like, it seemed... Like there's probably a dozen great new bars opened up.
0: Yeah, um, there's a lot actually, a lot of new places. Was there
1: anything that caught your eye in October? Like we had, I think back in November, Alice, the new bar from Pete Holland's, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. it's Frog's Hollow Saloon that opened up in Brisbane. Yeah, you had uh, Purple Pit in Melbourne from Joey Jones open up, or Joey Jones and Morris Tazzini, I must, might add.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the end of December in Melbourne you had Goodwater, so Fred Siggins, Cara Devine, That's Nate right, White. Yeah. Um, it looks incredible. Uh Yeah Wong's in there as well. That's yeah, like a little yeah. super group of bartenders. Yeah, yeah, those as well, yeah. Um, they've opened up, then you had Caterpillar Club Caterpillar down, Club down here, yep. Yep. Um, and this is you know old loves was in october that's right yeah which is probably my new favorite i think in on clarence street that's for sure i already
0: feel that old loves has been there forever it's It's old old loves yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a lot to come out just in that space for a few months that's it right there's there's quite a few of them that haven't been to yet either just because i was traveling around at the end of the year but yeah uh the melbourne ones are on the list for this weekend yeah you're going going down there yeah yeah you're going down there tomorrow
1: Well, we'll get you to report back and let us know all about it. But there's also some new openings coming this year. Um, One, a couple I'm looking out for. We're sitting in Double Juice Islands right now. Uh, Claudia, Beryl, Morgan Mm -hmm. used to run the bar here after Oliver Churchill ran the bar here. They've now the two of those people are going to be opening a bar yeah, next year yeah, I I think heard somewhere that. on Emerald Road, maybe. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know, Ross?
0: Th- that just what you said there. <laughs> that is literally all I know about he it. He gave me a knowing look. <laughs> no, that's, that's all I know. Um, I just heard about that last week. So, yeah. but I think yeah, there's a few openings that I don't know how secret they are or not. To yeah. be honest, I don't know. Well, no, there's mean, a there's a few around from some there's a couple very keeping it under my hat. There. Well well respected people in the industry opening up some new places. Yeah,
1: I feel like Enmore um, Road is gonna in Sydney in, in Newtown and Enmore out there. Yeah. Oh, and that's tro- like
0: Trocadero Room as well. Trocadero room opened. Yeah, yeah, that was just the end of the year. magpie and and that's thing, been, yeah, that one's next month or a yeah, few weeks away or
1: something. I think it's well I think they're doing a little pop up now at the Magpie. Yeah, so it's, Yeah, that's right, yeah. So yeah, that's the guy's from so Jacoby's and Earls, so he's very exciting. He's like the mayor of that street, but then you also had Palomino Lounge. From mm-hmm. Dylan Howarth who owns Fortunate Son. He opened up mm-hmm. across the road next to the Enmore Theatre there. Yeah. I went in there the other week and the drinks were delicious. You had like, I think I had a what did I have there? Was it an Army and Navy? Yeah, had a couple of Army and Navy's. One of the best I had in my life there. Mm-hmm. They've got a killer frozen Irish coffee on the list. Oh nice. Yeah. Okay. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Well yep. worth
0: it. Bringing back some kills, memories. That's it, yeah.
1: Bit <laughs> okay. L- less creamy than the one at um at uh oh, where's it at? Tell me you've been to tails without telling me you've been to tails. Where yeah, was the yeah, place you drank the, the drink?
0: <laughs> oh, good. The, the, the oh. name slips of mine as well. I was wearing the t-shirt the other day. Oh, uh, the well. Aaron Rose. The Aaron, Aaron Rose. Come Rose. on. That's it. Aaron Rose.
1: You, I basically we've, lived we've, there whenever I was in there New Orleans
0: every day last year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a lot of good stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Are there any trends that you've sort of picked up over the last years in terms of bars and you know going forward this year that you're yeah, think we're going to
0: see more I, of i think one of them that sticks in mind is the the vinyl mm. thing mm. the vinyl listening room listening bar type thing, or whatever
1: it was Kisaten or something in japanese yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: that's yeah yeah and i i love that like i think it's amazing i think it's really cool have you reached peak Vinyl listening bar? No, I don't think Caterpillar's so. Caterpillar's
1: just over, and they've got ten thousand records yeah, on the right. wall. There. Yeah,
0: and the DJ booth like it looks amazing. Like yeah. it's such a cool idea. Yeah, it's. All, I think it's really interesting to see like trends kind of come in circles again. I mean, that was that was how people listened to music before. Like it's pretty normal. Yeah, but there is. I'm thing, showing my age <laughs>
1: when I am saying when I went to a bar, every bar had one
0: because yeah. that's how you put <laughs> music on. That's how you play the music. That's <laughs> what you had to do it with. And then yeah, moved away from that. But I mean, there's yeah. a, there's a warmth to listening to vinyl there is something really nice But playing an album the whole way through which you don't really get Mm. anymore. Oh that's a good point actually. So the point
1: is that they played the whole way through. Playing the whole
0: thing. I suppose if you've got like a DJ on there and they're maybe switching off from track to track but I mean even like being at Caretaker's Cottage um, when they don't have the DJs on like at the weekend or in the evenings when it's whoever's behind the bar that's doing the music they're putting an album on And leaving that, and then putting another one on afterwards, and it's really nice to. I really listen to albums the whole way through. Like it's always jumping around to different things. Yeah, I love that trend. I I think there's probably going to be a lot more of it. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, and I, I think like a evolution of it, and see where I'm really excited to see where that goes.
1: Yeah. Well, Uh, I heard last year in the UK was the the biggest selling year for vinyl in like decades, right? So, and I, I think it's driven by a younger audience too. Yeah. it seems to be it's not just nostalgia of old people
0: yeah and i, I think um, it's i think it's like an experiential thing so this is probably one of the uh, the vinyl is part of it but it's for bars going forward is it's coming back to the experience of being in a bar i think mm. we went very drink focused for a long time yeah again like drinks is obviously incredibly important you need to have good drinks but it can't just be the drinks Like you need to have more around that and i can see more focus on that like a vinyls vinyls are good way mm. of doing that yeah it adds a nice warmth and an extra part of experience like knowing what album is playing creates conversation mm. so I think there's a really good element of building the experience around it which I can see growing more whether it's vinyl or something else whatever that might be
1: yeah what else could it be I mean I know if you're maybe Sammy you play the tequila song on the bottles hey,
0: yeah exactly well <laughs> I, I think I mean that's like even relating to like pop-up bars and things because that's yeah. another trend I think for the next year it's going to keep growing but I think the way that pop-ups and takeovers need to change. Like if I'm if wanting to work with bars doing takeovers, it can't just be about the drinks. Uh, the drinks need to be great, but yeah. what is the other thing? Like want to work with bars to like say, what's the other thing that can bring your bar to life if you're taking it away? Because drinks usually just isn't enough for people. It's good for us in the industry. Yeah. But other people, they need a bit but more. But also
1: too, like it's hard to get the drink quite right you tend to have they tend to be at these big festivals around the world whether it's bcb or yeah. or tails or world's 50 best and then you're jam full of bartenders yeah um i often find the thing that kind of frustrates me a little bit is if i'm going to frustrates the wrong word i mean i'm traveling overseas drinking in amazing bars so let's let's put it in perspective yeah, but yeah if i'm in say singapore i want to go see what the singapore bars are doing yeah you can't always do that with these festivals because there's a guest shift on Every night for, yeah. for 50 Best last year, there was something like 270 guest shifts yeah, happening
0: under the 50 insane. Best banner.
1: Only about 100 or so of which were actually um, o- official,
0: approved. Officially part official, of it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah. just slaps
1: a 50 Best logo on and goes, "All right, we're having we're a takeover." Yeah, yeah, guest shift. <laughs> yeah. George from some bar in I don't know, That's Ealing.
0: A, yeah, they're, yeah, they're making drinks here. <laughs> they're today. making drinks
1: here tonight. Yeah, um, but I think we maybe might be reaching. Like a, t- a peak kind of takeover guest shift thing. I'd, I'd love I to see so. more collaboration. Actual, like you we were yeah. talking about with the brand stuff and yeah. collaborating with Jordan, whatever. So a bit of back and forth, so you get something new.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's, I think there's there's almost too many takeovers. There's too many to try and get around. But it's got it's got to evolve. I don't think it's going to stop or go away. It's got to evolve into something more because yeah. why like why go like what.
1: I'll tell you it's why they doing, doing it. they do to get on
0: the 50 best list or something, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that is there's, that
1: it? Do you think that's
0: it? There's probably a big part of that. I mean, I suppose if you're doing a takeover in another city, anyone that's, well, you can't really vote for them unless you've been to the bar. Yeah. So going to another country and doing it. doesn't
1: count. This is what
0: it. shouldn't. This is the really thing. Really like you, yeah.
1: So if you're voting for your 50 best voter, you've got to have visited the bar. You can't vote for a takeover.
0: Yeah. 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 So, th- so, yeah. But I suppose that is still the thing. I don't know, I like doing I, I guess it's good for raising your profile. Yeah.
1: I think some people just want to go on a trip and I totally, that 110% support. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah, yeah. People just want to go and travel and show off what they do. Yeah. I think it's really important Like even doing the Tails thing last year where we took those, the 10 bars over at Tails. When we started that- part You, you, of it was you took 10 Australian
1: bars, or, did Tails of the cocktail, put on a big party.
0: Yes, Yeah. big. Yeah, big yeah. Big fucking a lot party. of people. Yeah. a lot of
1: people. Big party was what two thousand people there or something?
0: Yeah, I think it was just a little over three thousand people overall yeah, right, right, right. across the over the night. Jesus, um, it was it was massive, and but that was really that was showcasing Australian talent. Yeah, and we we just wanted to show people this is how good the bars in Australia are, and everyone saw it. Everyone was like, "Holy shit, this yeah. is amazing!" Like their drinks are on point. The hospitality and the service was the thing that most people commented on. When I mean, you've got a 3,000-person party, most people are just going to be pumping out drinks. Yeah. But none of the bars we took were just pumping out drinks. Pump they, it were, out, well, but... they were pumping out. Well, they were pumping out drinks, <laughs> but they were also taking time to talk to everyone, yeah. having a bit of a laugh, like having fun. I mean, they, it's New Orleans in the middle of summer. Like They're all sweating yeah Jay and there, like
1: sweating out five liters yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: but you know he's still like having a chat there making sure they're having a good time yeah and people saw that australian hospitality so i think another thing with the takeovers is just showing the world how good australia is because not as many people come here because we're far away mm. so maybe we need to take it a little bit more to them and show them because we're very lucky here that we have bar, we've got so many bars here that should be higher on those lists yeah. or on those lists There's so many that are just as good as London, New York bars.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes, often better.
0: Yeah, um, yeah definitely.
1: What do you, if if bartenders are going to approach you about wanting to go somewhere and get some some brand support for these kind of takeovers and guest shifts? What are the things you're looking for as like a green light to green light these things? Like, what makes it work for you? What what gets you excited about them?
0: Yeah, I think I think the first part is probably like you've got <laughs> to pour your product. So you, I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, yeah, that de- de- <laughs> de- definitely helps. If you have our products in the bar, you're doing stuff with them. That makes it easy for me to say to my bosses, we, yeah. we want to support this bar because they're yeah. already supporting us. So that, that's a, a very good start. Yeah. Um, having an idea of what you want to do, I think is really good. Like if you want to go to Singapore and do a takeover, like, why? Like, what, what do you want to achieve? What's what do you want to do with the brand? why do you want to work with our brand? If you want to work with you know, Glenfiddich or Hendrix or Rake or whatever it might be, yeah. why do you want to work with that brand? So if you study the brand a little bit and say, okay, this is what the, this brand does, it's like the collaborative thing again. Like you need to look at your partner and say, this is what they do. How do we fit into that? Like how does our bar and its values and its brand fit in with this brand that we're asking to take us overseas and have like at least a little bit of a an idea. Because if you're just asking for a trip, then. Fair enough. Like it's great to ask hey, for. Hey, shoot
1: your shot. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Why not ask for that? But if there's a little bit of an idea of what the collaboration can be, and I suppose in the end we're not looking for commercial return. That's not the idea. It's about the promoting of the two brands, the bar and our brand. Yeah. But a little bit of commercial return helps. Right. It makes it easy. If you're going to put a cocktail on the list after it, or whatever it might be, a special menu on for the month, and you go to a brand, say, I'll this for you after the trip and we'll pump through a bunch of stock yeah that's that helps that helps (laughs) goes a long way yeah greases the wheels a little bit you can say to the bosses we're going to make a bit of money back we're spending this on this make a bit of money back just makes it a little bit easier gotcha Mm.
1: uh well i hope everyone wanting to go to singapore or or Spain, or... Yeah, I mean, or if you've got ideas... Probably uh, not Russia outside. at the moment, but, you know. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, just yeah, somewhere... Actually, I'm not, not going to get into the geographical places where we should shouldn't go. <laughs> I'm going to skip right past yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it comes to the spirits world, uh, whiskey world, what are the... Are there any sort of things you're going to expect this year as opposed to previous years? I mm. guess there's, you know, I see uh, age statements coming back in a big way in in whiskey, but Australian yeah. whiskey's booming. What yeah. are the other sort of
0: things you're seeing? I think more limited releases, yeah. probably. They're a really good way of like uh, grabbing some attention and telling a bit of story. Yeah. So more limited release things. I think the only thing with the limited releases is that they need to be very focused on the liquid as well. It can't just be, here's a cool thing yeah. and this is our new product. Like it needs to be very liquid focused as well. Yeah. So there can probably be more of that. Can do, I,
1: I can see brands sometimes do too much of that and it just sort of, like they've got to yeah. be, if it's limited release, it's got to be for a reason. It's got to be something pretty cool, and yeah. and that you can't replicate on a grand scale.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it also, can't just be the same whiskey with a different story and label on it. Like you need to, <laughs> there needs to be a little bit of everything in there, and it's yeah. a really important part. So probably more of those kind of things. Also, I think generally premiumizing in whiskey has constantly happened. People like drinking less but better. So you'd rather, I mean, like twenty-one and up. I think that's where things are moved towards. People want right. to drink more expensive whiskey. People want that experience of having something that's rare and unique. Yeah. So yeah, I think more-
1: I wanna do that. I don't wanna pay for it though.
0: <laughs> but that, that, that's it's, the hard It's part. like, it's crazy it, expensive at It does at get expensive, yeah. yeah. But I think that's kinda like people would, I think even like younger generation too, they're, they're happy to spend a little bit more to get that extra experience yeah. and not necessarily drink as much. Right. So drinking something better, but drinking a bit less of it. Mm. So yeah, I think definitely premiumizing. More
1: yeah.
0: great aged whiskey.
1: Right. Or just, you know, one very expensive one for every three uh, blended whiskeys. Yeah. Yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Solved it. it. <laughs> well, I did three, the math. You have three and then one of the other one? Or, you know. oh, no, you start with a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
1: And then maybe just, yeah, what, what's the saying? Only the first bottle is expensive, you know, <laughs> after a couple of bottles. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. You Not that start. I'd
1: advocate uh, <laughs> drinking outside of moderation. I'm um, drinking responsibly, of course. Of course. Now yeah, you're a bit of a high flyer. I'm sure you're a fixture in uh, frequent flyer round- lounges around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the big international events on your calendar this year that you're looking at? Are you are you going to go to Tails again? Are you um, looking at we going to one of the many BCBs that is happening now?
0: Yeah, I think I haven't planned it out fully yet, but I would like to go back to Tails. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll we'll do the same kind of things we did last year. with taking ten bars over and doing that. It was a lot. I would like to did, go to did Tales. Did you get some grey hair from
1: that? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. It was
0: it was amazing. it, was, it great. was great fun. It was a it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Yeah. I'd probably like to go back to Tales this year and enjoy Tales and just go and like experience it. Yeah. Um so I'd definitely like to go back to Tales. <laughs> BCB. So you mean
1: you mean my experience? Not going to any seminars.
0: <laughs> no, go to seminars. Standing
1: in a queue to get into parties <laughs> yeah. and spending yeah. till three AM at cues. the alibi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's you've had it, Ross. Spend three days in Aaron Rose. Basically, that's, it. that's pretty
1: much what I did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> lose three days in Aaron Rose. <laughs> um, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. I would love to buy the Tales. Uh, I think BCB. I'd love to do Athens Bar Show as well. That seems right. to be getting a lot of. That seems uh, to be bigger attention. and bigger. Yeah, everyone. Everyone that's been says it's incredible. Yeah. So I would like to go and experience that. Um, and then can of see what else pops up? That's the main ones. I think Athens and BCB, whether Berlin or Brooklyn or both, would love to mm. pop over both of them.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: have you ever really done BCB ones. in Berlin? No, I haven't. It's in- insane. It's, yeah, I would love to do it. Last it time huge. I was there was like
1: 2018 and it's only gone. I think it's doubled in size since then, apparently. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it, it is it looks, a monster.
0: It looks incredible. Yeah. Um, I know we've done a lot of stuff there with William Grant Sons and done some amazing parties. It's like 20 bar shows in one place kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah massive. Yeah. yeah, I would love to see that. Um, yeah, you can kind of see, see what else pops up along the way, but mm. yeah, I probably need to plan those out actually because it's it's not cheap.
1: Yeah, well, it's January as well.
0: <laughs> exactly, God. first weekend. Yeah.
1: Um, in terms of other things, I've noticed around town, you were at the Caterpillar Club the other night I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, you, did you try their lychee martini there? I did not. I think I think the lychee martini might be like the drink that is back
0: this year. Oh really? I yeah, think okay. I was
1: hoping for it to come back last year.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, it's it's so a drink I'm I know. Have to go back there.
1: Yeah, well, it's a drink I know how to make, having bartended in two thousand. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that and daiquiris. Oh, <laughs> well, the
1: daiquiris back then with strawberry and in a blender. But, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, have got a few of them in Capella Club as well. Blenders yeah, are out. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, the
1: blender is well and truly back. Yeah. Back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, like the one, I guess the one trend I would want to get your opinion on in particular is the world of AI that's coming down the pipeline, mm. um, and how that's going to make. For for me, it's about you know they're just going to be generating all this content all the time, and it's all going to be subservient, sub substandard kind of dross kind of content coming out. And I think it's going to be a wash. The internet's going to be in a wash of crappy, shitty content. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? For like how brands communicate, how bars communicate through their sort of their sort of um reels and their stories and that kind of thing yeah. how do you how's a bar going to stand out
0: i think ai is so interesting at the moment i mean i have an app on my phone we have the mid journey thing on there where i use the right. ai image generator yeah i pay a subscription to it just I usually use it from sitting at a bar, having a chat, and make stupid images up on it and just put all the prompts in and just have a bit of fun with it.
1: Instead of being the barfly screwing <laughs> on the back of a napkin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Making AI generated images. Yeah. And like put SpongeBob into Indiana Jones <laughs> in a Disney style cartoon. And you're like, what is that? Sorry, I said stuff? it's gonna be
1: crap. That sounds amazing. Yeah, man. yeah, it's good. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then design a bar around that. <laughs> well, I think there's some really cool stuff with AI for for creativity and helping creativity so it can give you mm. ideas. I just, you know, the, the recent sneakers that we did, I generated the first image on uh, with AI. Right. And because I had an image that looked something similar to what I wanted to make, yeah. I showed that to my bosses. And when they saw that, it helped them understand what I was trying to get at without me just explaining an idea of what it might look like. Yeah. And I could just do that myself. And it wasn't perfect, but it looked pretty cool. Yeah. So I could use that to help people understand what I was trying to get across. Okay. I think that's a really useful thing for which bars, whatever industry, yeah. is you can create images that you can show people, that give people an idea of what you're doing. Mm. But also the way you seem to, like chat GPT, I've not done an awful lot with, but watching other people do it. You can feed so much information into that and help you, get it to help you work stuff out. So even um, the Atlas chat yesterday, so the from Atlas in Sydney. Someone I wasn't there, but um, mm. Jet was saying to me that they can get Chat GPT to work out their ABV of their cocktails by feeding all the information of how to work out ABV of cocktails into that. Yeah, but can't I just do the math? You, you could do, it's all easier to ask <laughs> it <spreadsheet>. to do, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but they can get it to work out. So there's, I mean, that's not an example yeah. of it, but there's loads of things that you could do with it that makes your life a little bit easier mm. and gives you time to do other things. Yeah. So I think there's some good parts to it and maybe some downsides to it, but yeah. I think it's just how we use it. Chat GBT, give me a reason the stock takes out this month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think because uh, you were that, drinking it. That doesn't blame me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think I think what's kind of an interesting thing, things to keep an eye out for is how you know everyone's does milk punches at the moment. There's cocktails have started to look the same. I think in the Instagram social media algorithm world, we sort of see things we like and we can mimic them pretty easily these days. Mm. I wonder what that's what the introduction of AI is going to do to that. Whether or not we're going to get like new concepts coming out uh, about, you know, make us rethink how a drink looks. Because it seems to me you either got super minimalism or you got all the maximalism of, like, a Tricano's lounge at the moment, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. um, Yeah, I think because you can get it to give you images and that will give you prompts for what you want to create. So I've tried doing things with getting it to help me design what a cocktail might look like. And I remember trying to do something. It was taking design cues from clouds and things, and the AI couldn't quite work it out, or yeah. I couldn't work it out how to get the AI to do it, which is probably more likely. Yeah. But it gave me a bunch of these mad images, which was glassware around what clouds might look like as a glass. Okay. So even from that, you think, okay, maybe I could do something with that. So it's yeah. probably good for like suggesting things that you might be able to do. Yeah. So maybe pushing creativity a little bit.
1: Mm.
0: I, I mean, know. I come up, I'm
1: like, give me a new title for you know, some, education sessions i want to do based around bartending and it's just like mixological mastery and stuff like (laughs) that
0: great done yeah it's a great name i could have got that
1: myself thank you
0: yeah
1: it's terrible (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah i think a lot of us we think ai can do all this stuff for us but we have to know how to use it the the prompting of it that's that's hard but i think it's about having your taste
1: when you're getting the output as well right everyone's got a different taste yeah like that mixological mastery thing that's like that's pretty cookie cutter yeah it's not what Boothby does, it's like, yeah. you know,
0: yeah, it's, it's worked you, out its own version. Yeah, I, I think because I, I watched a bunch of like YouTube videos on how to get the image generator to work. Yeah, there's so much, and I started off when I was doing it, I was taking notes and different prompts to use. Eventually, like, I kind of just veered away from that. I was like, I can't, like, too much. I need to focus 100 percent on that to make it work. <laughs> but It's so in depth, but I mean, you see some of the stuff that's coming out. If you know how to work AI, you can make it really mm. work for you, but mm. that's hard. Like, it's not just going to happen. You can't yeah. just Pick oh, up hard, I'm not and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought it was just going to do all the work for me.
1: <laughs> I want to go on holiday.
0: Yeah, yeah. just say yeah. AI up and so This walk is actually away. not
1: me talking. This is my AI generated voice. <laughs> yeah. and image. So you get these from.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, I've been found out. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Anything else you want to talk about?
0: I'm just. I'm excited to see. Uh, I know there's some new bars coming out. I, I want to. You can see that there's some cool stuff happening in bars here and around the world. Mm. I think there's like a. Changing period that we're in at the moment, people are looking at different things. The drinks are incredible. I think the pre-batching thing is giving people time to focus on service. Yeah, I think there's some really creative ideas, and I think how bars are starting to work with brands is different. How brands work with bars mm. starting to be different. So I think there's some really cool stuff, like on on the cusp, like on the horizon. Mm. We're already seeing some, but I think there's I think there's more coming. I'm I'm excited to see what happens this year because I see the amount of talent. That's out there doing cool stuff yeah uh, just i, I want to see what they're going to
1: do i'm keen for more bartender run bars bartenders yeah. flexing their own muscle their own kind of unique vision i
0: think yeah Can't doing, doing what though. they like and what they enjoy mm. and what they think a lot of people will like 100 So no, it's uh, exciting times
1: you're an exciting person to talk to you, ross blaney <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, uh, much for having me thanks for joining nice chatting thanks to ross for the chat thank you to you for listening we've got some big plans for this year and that for me was a great way to begin if you like this episode, I'd love it if you could recommend the show to a friend. And please make sure you tick the subscribe button in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothby.